This program is brought to you by Haymarket Books as part of the Socialism 2022 program. You can hear more recorded sessions from the conference by subscribing to the Socialism Conference podcast feed. Many video recordings are also available at socialismconference.org. If you enjoy these recordings, keep an eye on socialismconference.org for updates about the next Socialism Conference and how you can participate. You can help support the Haymarket Project by buying books at haymarketbooks.org and especially by joining the Haymarket Book Club. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and the Haymarket YouTube channel to access all of our upcoming events. If you really want to help us out, rate and review the podcast on Apple or whatever platform you're listening on. Let's go ahead and get started. Um, Kali Akuno is a co-founder and co-director of Cooperation Jackson. He served as the director of special projects and external funding in the mayoral administration of the late Tokyo Lumumba of Jackson, Mississippi. His focus in this role is supporting cooperative development, the introduction of eco-friendly and carbon reduction methods of operation, and the promotion of human rights and international relations in the city. He was also the co-director of the U.S. Human Rights Network, the executive director of the People's Hurricane Relief Fund, based in New Orleans uh, after Hurricane Katrina, and was co-founder of Schools of Social Justice and Community Development, a public school serving the academic needs of low-income African-American and Latino communities in Oakland. He, Kali, uh, was going to be with us here in Chicago, but unfortunately is not with us right now because of the ongoing crisis that's unfolding in Jackson. And so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit tonight, or at least that's where we're going to be starting. Um, and of course, uh, I say that's where we're going to be starting because uh, I've never known Kali not to move out from the, the immediate picture to the bigger picture, and we're hoping to get there today, as well as back to what those of us who are here in Chicago and not in Jackson, or going back to other parts of the country, can do to be uh, acting in solidarity with the people of Jackson and with Cooperation Jackson um, right now. So that's where I think this session is headed. Any notes before we jump in? No, let's get to it. Okay, let's get down to it. Should have been done long ago, as they say. Um, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a rundown of what's happening in Jackson right now? Well, um, we just got word, uh, a couple of reports, that in roughly about half the city, close to 70% of the water pressure has been restored. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Can you drink the water? That's the important no, question.
government and a very beautiful response from the people. Mm. But people need to understand all of it didn't happen. Right? There's still thousands of people who are barely getting any, any water. You know, there's probably tens of thousands of people who haven't uh, been able to bathe now for about a week, you know, uh, if not longer. Right. Um, and I say longer because people got to know that. You know, the, the system was in crisis long before it just totally collapsed. Right. The city had been under a water notice for the last three months. Uh, and that's not necessarily unusual for, for Jackson, at least some parts of Jackson. You know, the system has been fundamentally crumbling for quite some time. Uh, but now, you know, it's just at that, that acute stage uh, where everybody's kind of scrounging around. There's hours, you know, there's, there's lines around the block. I just got some somebody from, I think, the Washington Post sent me a picture, uh, you know, which was pretty devastating. It's of our plaza, uh, of one of the water uh, uh, demonstration. I guess they used one of their little drones or something. And you just see the line just going all the way around Jeez. the block street, right Jeez. from the picture. And then that, that day, you know, folks, uh, we started setting up at 8 o'clock. As soon as we got there, there was already a line of about 20 cars that was already outside waiting. So that means folks started lining up about seven, eight, you know, six, seven o'clock in the morning. So the situation is, is still fairly desperate. Uh, you know, uh, you having to go further and further away to find any water, you know, uh, resources. Uh, most of the covers and most of the stores are still fairly, you know, bare. Um, you know, but then one of the, the crazy thing is, you know, uh, I had to go up to uh, a little bit further up in Madison uh, yesterday to, to uh, 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 meet somebody for a meeting. It was only for a few minutes, but I stopped at the convenience store, you know, as, as the meeting point. It was fully stopped, and that was about maybe 25 minutes, you know, outside of Jackson. So what that's due is the level of inequity and equality that exists in terms of who's getting resources, even in a time like this, and how, you know, folks in our area, since there is no real public transportation system in Jackson, if you, if you don't have a car, you're pretty much kind of asked out right now, even more so than you are normal. So uh, it, it's still pretty critical, and don't let nobody tell you otherwise, you know. Uh, well, that's and right. You, in the class, you can see the class dynamics, the last piece I'll say is, you can see the class dynamics playing out sharper today. Right, because folks who got cars or folks who normally have stable employment, you know, probably own uh, a house in our area. And so they can go scrounge around, go drive 30 minutes or an hour away to get what they need. Uh, that's not the vast majority of black folks. They don't have that, that access and those resources to do that. So you get a clear picture of who's suffering and who's not. Well, we've seen that before, and we're going to get, I think, to that in just a second. But I wanted to ask you before we head there. Um, what are y'all working on in response and solidarity? You want to tell us a little bit about what the, the work y'all are doing and what uh, kind of help you're looking for from comrades outside of Jackson? Right. Well, I mean, right now, it's, it's primarily uh, delivering water to the community. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the number one thing. We also been asking folks to come up with like body wash wipes so folks can kind of clean themselves and sanitary wipes to kind of deal with the situation. So those are the three major things we're asking folks to, to you know, help us with. I think that that's going to probably last for another week at the
trying to aim for now is to make the, the critical pivot and the critical shift. We're still going to do water distribution and try to gather resources for that as much as possible. But you know, we're shifting now to uh, try to craft a set of demands, you know, primarily on the state and the federal government, much much more on the federal government to kind of come in and overhaul the overall system, make sure that it remains in local control, right? local within the municipality that it controls it. But then there's the other side of this that you know, we got to still prepare, quite honestly, as if there's not going to be any support coming from either the state or the federal government. Now we know the state, if they can get away with it, they ain't gonna provide shit, right? right? Take Reed is committed to that. He's not the only one, you know, within the ultra-reactionary party who has that perspective. So we got to move as if nothing is coming. And to that end, there's two things that we are really been, been focusing on. One, definitely we're going to be calling for some, some broader support on in terms of resources, in terms of people who got some construction skills, and that's the folks coming down and setting up uh, uh, our own, you know, uh, water filtration and water catchment system, right? And building that up and pushing that so that when the system fails again, because if they don't repair, you know, and I, what I mean by, by well, let me put it this way, let me stop saying repair. If they don't overhaul it, right. the thing's just going to keep breaking periodically. And so we, if we don't want to move from crisis to crisis, you know, in this vein, we got we got to create on an autonomous level, a community level, you know, our, our own kind of support systems and figure out mechanisms by which to, to provide more resources in that regard, you know, uh, to the people in our community, our media area. So that's something we just gonna start build, teaching ourselves how to do, mm-hmm. and then teach other people in the community to do. And then the other piece is, you know, we've been trying to pull together a kind of a pretty substantial. Uh, uh, basically mutual aid, uh, emergency relief, uh, and security kind of apparatus for, for the past couple of years. Many people have been thinking we've been crying wolf and we, that we've been you know, overly extreme. Uh, I think now there, there's, we already got, you know, I think something that the, one of the seats I saw, we already got 300 people now signed up wanting to kind of take some classes and move on that. Yeah. So that's something we have to you know, uh, the end of this month and into September, you know, to really start gearing that up and preparing and building that network. Um, so, you know, folks have some critical skills, I would say at the first stage in, in construction. Uh, then in, in the second stage, looking at, you know, how to also do, do solar installation and that kind of technical building of things that we can kind of do on our own in the community. We're gonna be making some, some, some calls on that starting this week, you know, coming out uh, to get folks mobilized. Okay, um, and also I, I, I know uh, you, you were too polite to say it, but I'm not too polite to say it. Uh, when you say resources, you also mean money. Um, and a good thing that would be good is to send some money so we can buy water and send it into Jackson. Um, yeah, that's needed for a while, y'all. Yeah, and, and uh, if in the meantime, until the 10th, we're still looking for people to drive water into Jackson. If you're from the region, or if you're willing to drive further than from the region, um, loading up your car with some water and driving into Jackson would be good. I just want to say about that, those things before we get into the nitty gritty here. Uh, I'm going to put down over here, uh, I have printed out some flyers that have a QR code that people can donate. So you can take one of those flyers, take one of them if you are going to use this flyer to get other people to use this QR code. Otherwise, use the QR code and keep it moving because uh, we only have 
a few flyers up here. And I also have another kind of more informational flyer, same deal, if, this, if that's something useful for, for you to take back where you're going um, and share with the people that you work with, um, go ahead and take one and put them on these steps so that when people leave, you can take them. And if you leave before the session's over, don't be shy, come and take it, come do what you need to do. And I would also post it around if you are interested in that. Um, the last thing I'll say about that is uh, there's a sign-up sheet for volunteers. So if you're one of those people that has like critical skills or you want to be involved or you want to drive down to Jackson, go write your name on the sheet. It's at that BSA Afro-Socialist table right, by, right before the bookstore. So that's where that, that's, that's our infrastructure for volunteering for Jackson. We, we did our best, but uh, on, the, on the last minute situation. Um, so, and I'll say all that again probably before we get out of here. Um, but what I wanted to ask you next is, uh, obviously there's, this reminds us of some other instances, right? Both recent and less recent. Um, Flint, obviously, right? Um, but other local disasters, the fires in California that are still ongoing in other parts of the Northwest. Um, I just, I actually just heard listening to your interview about the fish die off in the bay. I didn't even know about that, that there's uh, just dead fish floating up in the, in the bay. Okay, and, I mean, in California. Um, I also made me, I'm from Texas, think about the big power outage that happened in Texas uh, not too long back. And uh, even a little longer back, but kind of bigger events, I think, in our consciousness, um, it made me think of were Hurricane Katrina, obviously, in New Orleans. Um, something you're pretty familiar with, and Hurricane Sandy in New York, where I live, um, that was a, a pretty kind of shocking moment of kind of disjuncture crisis uh, for us there. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you were involved in New Orleans, like what do you make of these kind of relationships between these kind of moments of crisis in various parts of the country and the world? Well, I mean, we are, we are at this phase uh, now where the convergence of, of critical collapses in the system are all hitting at the same time. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think what it, Ultimately, points to uh, put it bluntly. You know, we are we are at that juncture, kind of at that crossroads where you know capitalism has fundamentally created an existential crisis for us, and we got very little time to fix. Okay. Right. Um, and we need to be mindful of what the fix is. Right. Because there's there's most of what you're gonna hear. Is a bunch of techno fixes, which are just about capital reproducing itself in some new form, right? That idea, and none of that shit's gonna work, right? Uh, and what's you know not being elevated uh, are things that people have to do for themselves, which require us seizing the means of production. Let's just call it directly what it is. And submitting it to democratic control uh, and planning it out in a rational way, which is which keeps us within the ecological limit, you know, uh, uh, of the Earth's carrying capacity. Mm -hmm. Like that's a real program. I don't. You can argue me about details, but hey, there is no other way around going about this right now, other other than just you know just keep doing what we're doing uh, in 20, 30, 50 years at most. You know, uh, driving ourselves to the verge of extinction. So, you know, I think the basic elements of uh, the path should be clear to all right now. I think the question is, are we going to rise to meet the challenge? 
Mm. Um, and, you know, we got to do this on every front. Some of this required some, a little adjusted thinking. And what do I mean by that? Right? So, uh, I saw like on a program or many other programs, you know, there's kind of a renewed focus around, uh, you know, the, this kind of new organizing way of folks, you know, uh, striking to get union uh, uh, recognition at Amazon and at Starbucks and Trader Joe's and a couple of places. I'm not shitting on that, but uh, in any form or fashion, but if it's just doing that so that we have better representation mm-hmm. and it's aimed towards actually seizing the means of production to serve community need, we're actually selling ourselves short in this particular period of time. Yeah. So there's still a, a consciousness gap that we won't have to deal with. It would, it would be nice if some of the Amazon trucks just turned around and went straight to Jackson, don't you think? <laughs> well, I mean, it would, it would be even nicer if the Amazon workers seem to, to say, hey, look, uh, why the hell am I working, you know, uh, uh, delivering, you know, toys and trinkets to folks when we have all of this stuff that's here, you know, and they have, I know folks have been in some of these warehouses, but it's not like they don't lack major storage capacity. Right, a lot of them have water and all that stuff. A lot of the equipment already stored up. You know, they still have their own time production kind of uh, orientation. But we can also, you know, extend that organizing drive out to the sources. Mm-hmm. Right, and say, hey, we need to spawn this right now to deliver to this particular place. Mm-hmm. And then get the workers oriented. We're not going to move a damn thing until this particular situation is resolved. And resolved meaning the system is overall fixed. Until that time, we're going to use all this national infrastructure to redirect the, the resources necessary to, to build a human being. Mm-hmm. Like, that's within our capacity and our power actually to do. But do we have the imagination to do it, political imagination to do it? Have we built up the, the muscle and the will uh, uh, to do it and see ourselves as being the instrument to be able to carry it out? Like, those are the things that I think are still missing and in, in where a place like the Socialism Conference, like, if we're not taking that message back, to our folks at home around what the kind of critical task is, then I think we're doing ourselves a disservice. It's like it's not like we got a whole bunch more time. Mm-hmm. If anything, you know what what this crisis in Jackson I think should illustrate. If you if you step back and just look at what has happened uh, in the last two or three weeks alone, you got one third of the entire country of Pakistan underwater. One third. So if y'all think this shit is Jackson is bad, you know, like this, think about what's going on on there and the level of devastation that's going on there. You also got probably the, the by far and away the worst drought in Western European history, right? Ain't nobody ever recorded the Rhine River being this low, yeah. right? And the Catholic Church could have told us that a long time ago. Yep. You know, with the power they had in the old Holy Roman Empire to document every damn thing. They would have told us that anything similar like this happened. There's no record of anything close to what's happened after that. You got a major uh, drought which is going on in East Africa, right? You got uh, a, a food shortage. You know, there's, there's uh, ravaging parts of uh, Africa and Asia right now as a result of, you know, both drought, but also all the structural adjustment programs that got set up by the neoliberal order which kept people from producing food on the local level but only producing it for export. Right. All this stuff is collapsing, and I can go on, but all this is collapsing all at the 
there is no government response at any level which is sufficient to meet any of these needs. And for folks to think that uh, even an instrument like the United States government, it doesn't have the capacity, you know, to address all of these issues at the same time. Even if it was working with, with all of its resources and might for anything of goodwill, which we know that's not what they do, that's not what it's about. But even if they so choose to do that, somehow on a pivot, it wouldn't be sufficient. So uh, we we are in part of this this whole I think critical inflection point is in the absence of the left having a plan and a, and a solution, which is we realistic. We got rhetoric, we got good ideas, but we don't have an organization right now to to, to to really implement. So what what's filling that void is is a bunch of fascistic ideas. Right. Right. That's what's filling the void, and that's what's going to be implemented. And and all they're going to try to do is you know bat down the hatches, steal whatever can be stolen, and the rest of us be dead. Yeah. I mean that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. The title of this panel includes the word empire. When you mentioned uh, some of the crises in Africa, my own experience being there um, just a, about ten years ago for for three years was in South Africa, I mean, this was true in Zimbabwe, which was considered a failed state at the time, in South Africa, but in South Africa, you know, this is one of the most developed countries in the world, really, but especially in Africa, you would have power outages randomly, you know, throughout the week. You would have, uh, you had whole areas that had power and then lost power. You had uh, water access problems from places that didn't have water problems, accessing water under apartheid. Um, and same with Zimbabwe. It, it was a very fast situation where you go from uh, an economy that was very intensely developing to one that's all of a sudden, you know, got endemic cholera because the water system broke down. And my thought at the time was uh, that this um, was perhaps a canary in the coal mine for, for the rest of the world. And that including the kind of, also the fight back that we've seen, the kind of worker militancy and uh, organizing that we, that we saw at that time. That's all turned out, in fact, to be true, right? All the things that, that people told me t 10, 7 years ago could never happen in the U.S. And when I suggested that they could, after having observed it in South Africa, I was told over at NYU that it was like I was a lunatic. Um, so I, I'm curious about your 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 how you see this in relationship to empire, um, but also I'm curious about exactly kind of articulating the the narrative like happened around Katrina in a more popular way, right? That this was an unnatural disaster, that it didn't have to happen, that that there were steps that could have been taken before it occurred that could have prevented the kind of devastation that happened. That was obvious to me when I was looking at Zimbabwe and South Africa. What, what does that look like for Jackson? What, were, what, what was the lead up to this degree of crisis in Jackson? I mean, uh, uh, we've known this was going to happen for years. Yeah. Uh, and we had a test run back in, was it uh, February 2020 or February 2021? Uh, when there was a major freeze, y'all might remember it was a freeze that hit the entire, you know, southeast. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned it that the, the the power outage that happened in Texas, but the, how that played out, that same storm, that same big freeze, Ooh. that played out with water being out for over 50, over 50 percent of Jackson didn't have water for a month. Wow. Right. That same storm. Now that was, you know. I have to check my memory, that, but that was what, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Fact. So we knew this was coming. Everything they've done is just a band-aid. And, and uh, you know, I, I'll give the, the mayor credit on, on this one for completely. He's been sounding the alarm. He's been asking the state government. He's been asking 
Ted Reed and Bill Bryan before him, but he helped. You know, the system is, is collapsing and failing. You know, they all put in some resources, and then he just been flat out been told no, time and time again. Uh, you know, and it's basically like, well, that's your problem. But keep in mind, uh, you know, this is some of the particularities about uh, Mississippi, but large parts of the South, and I think some of the Midwest, operate on a, 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 a kind of policy level, a constitutional level, the same way. So, Jackson, I want everybody to be clear, does not have the ability to tax itself. Mm-hmm. Right? We are barred from the Redeemer, by the Redeemer Constitution of 1890, from being able to levy our own taxes. So when he sits there and, and tells you, well, y'all have to pay for this, pay for it how? Right. right? Y'all don't, don't give me the ability to raise taxes to be able to try to pay for it. And keep in mind, you know, Jackson's kind of annual budget uh, is only about $700 million for the entire city per year. Right? The borough of Brooklyn has a budget that's about 10 times larger than, than Jackson. Now, keep in mind, more people in the borough of Brooklyn than there is in the entire state of Mississippi. Right? But there's also uh, the, budget of, the budget of New York City, which is... Right, which is more, which is like a hundred times more <laughs> yeah. than what Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, you know, spends. So you know, you got to put that, you know, in some perspective. But you know, the the point being, they will sit there and play the blame game with us and saying, "Well, this is up for you to do." But then you 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 tie my hands behind my back in order for me to implement anything. Mm-hmm. And we we know from the estimates, this was estimates from 2014. When I was still, for the brief period of time I was working for Tokwe Zamumba, the estimate to fix the system then was $3.5 billion. Yeah. $3.5 billion to fix the system then. That was almost a decade ago. Now, with inflation the last three or four years, you know, put maybe 20, 30% increase on that. That means if, 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 if Jackson was just going to say, okay, we're going to fund this alone. Jackson would have to spend roughly uh, about 22 years of its, of its total annual budget to just fix this one item. It's not possible, right? By, by the very structure of the Constitution, the very structure what we allow to, to, to tax ourselves for under the present rules, it is virtually impossible. He knows this, the governor knows this, everybody in the state knows this. So it's just a way, very intentionally, to destroy the city, active way to destroy any possibility and potentiality of black, you know, self-rule, black self-determination, and any kind of alternative being built that might appeal to other oppressed and working-class people to try a similar model, a similar pursuit of political development. Uh, so this could have been prevented at any point in time, basically since 1989. I want everybody to understand it. That's when the first uh, major water crisis, where the water system kind of shut down, that, that first happened in 1989. Mm-hmm. And at any point in time, this thing could have been fixed. And at every point in time, you know, since then, it's been a straight out no, 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 no. And it's only been a no since Jackson has become a majority black city. If you go back and you look at how the city infrastructure was built, most of that was actually 
funded by the state when it was majority white. Right. So this all could have been prevented, and it's all intentional that it's been allowed to, to collapse in the way it's been allowed to collapse. Well, that's another thing I wanted to ask you. Obviously, uh, you mentioned the the sort of retaliation, right, against black self-determination, against uh, people using the system as it is to try to get their needs met and get represented. Um, and that's obviously part of the story if we're thinking about Flint and if we're talking about uh, empire and racism. So I wanted you to talk a little bit more about what role you see that playing in this crisis and also connecting that maybe um, to kind of the the bigger, or the picture that even beyond that, what does that, what, what does that shape, the shape of that look like to you? Uh, the, the, the crisis or what our response to it should be, which, which side of that? Whichever one you'd rather talk about, two sides of the same coin. To it, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say from our experience, we, we, have to be prepared to fully, if we're going to resolve this thing, we have to be prepared to truly push the contradictions, mm -hmm. like the logical conclusion. And that is something, despite many of the kind of advances that, you know, we did or people think that we did, you know, in the last 10 or so years uh, in Jackson, uh, we, haven't, we haven't pushed the contradictions. Mm -hmm. You know, not the complete move. And what do I mean by that? So going into, you know, just uh, speaking for myself, going into, you know, pursuing electoral office, pursuing the mayor's office in particular, we were well aware that the city could, you know, uh, uh, tax itself to generate resources. We had a good sense of that the city was broke, mm -hmm. but we once we saw the real books, we didn't realize how broke it really was. Right. Behind what? Uh, we knew and talked with it had been on city council, right? Already, and we still didn't see the real books until he was the mayor. Right. And then really realized, you know, how much of a hole the city really is in and, and how bad the situation really was. So, but knowing that, it was incumbent upon us in my view, and we won't really try to govern from a radical place, is to find ways and create ways and advance ways to circumvent that limitation just off the top, mm. right? And some of the ideas that got put out, for instance, um, you know, uh, you know, with my crazy adventurous ass from what people have called me in the past, and some of that I will, will willfully accept. I, I think, you know, you, you, you have to push the envelope, you know, to, to make some things move. So one of the things that, that, uh, 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 that was pushing in and still pushing out, um, not because I think it's the ultimate solution, but it creates a, a particular kind of crisis which moves certain things down, you know, further down the road that we want to pursue. So one of them was saying, like, all right, you know, was it uh, South Dakota has its own bank? Why can't we create a public bank in Jackson? Right? Like, technically, there's no lost documents. Not with anything that we studied within, you know, uh, Mississippi Code, uh, so we can do that, right? It's political will which stopped the pursuit, mm -hmm. and it's a lack of imagination amongst many that stopped the pursuit. And my thing was like, look, we already got a number of credit unions. Uh, we can, we could ask some of those to, to consolidate, form a base, of, you know, uh, 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 capital base, uh, and then we can create kind of our own uh, 
system of bonds and credits to be able to kind of underscore that uh, with certain aspects and resources that we have. So I'm pointing all this out. There's others. Pointing all this out to say that there are ways in which if we are serious about transforming this society and using the state as a means to kind of help us get there. I don't think it's the ultimate way we're going to get there, but to help us get there, then there are things that we can always do to push the envelope. But we got to organize people and educate people as to why we would pursue a crazy-ass choice like that. And then get them prepared for what the backlash which will come, which we know ultimately would happen. But I think we would then have to, we are prepared, we welcome that because it creates a crisis of you know, uh, if the federal government can print all the money it wants, what's stopping us from printing all the money we want? Right? <laughs> then you get the real power relations as to, well, what is this whole thing? And that's what the federal government, government, all these companies sir. print their own money too. That's company scripts right. coming like, back every other company the other day. And how do we circumvent it? How do we subject all this to democratic control? Mm -hmm. So we haven't done that enough. Unfortunately, it's been, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to steal from Walter Rodney here because I think he was absolutely correct in, I don't in think he uh, <laughs> a piece where you know, it's too many of us think that if we get in power, we win elections and we, we win these popularity contests and we are able to uh, govern. And, and let me be clear, it's my position, and I hope we can debate this, winning an election is not uh, uh, actually having state power. Two different things. We can talk about that later. Two different things. So we never had state power in Jackson. We've never ex ex exercised that. We, we've been able to do some tweaking of managing the contradictions of the system. That's it. That's not having state power. But besides that, um, too too often, you know, what Rodney warned us is, is we just think that if we're in those positions, that if we try to master running the system better, making it more efficient, and maybe humanizing a little bit better, that that is our ultimate task. As opposed to like, no, that this thing was built to respond to the needs of capital. And unless you break that cycle, unless you smash that particular dimension and apparatus of it, uh, you're only serving its interests and needs. And this is a critical distinction I think we have to get. Uh, our, our folks in the social democratic kind of orientation of the movement to better understand is that the beast of capitalism ultimately cannot be contained Constrained or controlled, it has to be surpassed destroyed. Mm -hmm. okay. I have one more question. We got time for one more question, I think, mm -hmm. based on how long you want to answer. Um, uh, which is, we, we are still in, of course, uh, a, a, well, I wouldn't say pandemic, it's a syndemic of, of, of multiple different registers. And the syndemic is multiple pandemics that are feeding into each other, um, which is certainly what's happening. Right now, but in the sort of immediate moment, um, I got the the, the, the uh, privilege to spend some organizing time with you in the very beginning of the pandemic, the middle of the pandemic, um, and now we're in the we're not at the end of the pandemic. I don't know what part of the pandemic we're in. We're in, we're in this, the, the late stage. This is a different um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what I, I'm curious about is uh, what lessons did you learn? Did Cooperation Jackson learn from kind of observing this sort of state of exception that emerged? at the early stages of the pandemic, and then with the uprising, um, were there things that kind of 
surprised you and, and made you look at something different or exemplified something that you had always thought. Um, what, what should we have learned from that? We got to do a whole different pattern on that. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, we knew a lot of what we were calling for was premature. Mm-hmm. But, but in, in my view, it needs to be called for a push anyway. We got to push people's radical imaginations. Mm-hmm. Right? But I think we were right in calling towards moving towards a general strike. I still have to believe that that was correct. We knew that there the objective forces you know, to really push for that uh, work in place. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it, 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 I'm not, I mean, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. If we could have gotten half or a fraction of the so-called labor left to actually do any fucking thing, That's you right. know, to, to, the, to the pandemic, we could have been controlling the narrative instead of surrendering that to the right. And I hope people recognize that the right won that. We got our ass kicked. Yeah, we sure did. And, we and, got our ass kicked. And actually, not even because, sorry for the, I'm, I'm, I'm no. pontificating now, um, but not even because we didn't, not even because the working class wasn't in motion. The only thing that stopped right. anything in the economy was teachers and parents refusing to send right. their kids to school and that shutting down the economy. And mostly that happened without the organized left even mostly that happened without the organized labor movement. And eventually, and the labor movement was behind that. Um, and didn't catch up to defend that game, right, when Biden came into office. And that was Biden's first job was, was opening that back up. The first job was putting down teachers. And that's why I, I 100% agree with you, Kali, that there, were, there, was, there was these moments of that big mass movement. There was these moments when you were talking about workers' control. There was a bunch of moments when we're talking about nurses, we're talking about logistics folks that people just immediately recognize in that situation, it makes no sense to not just hand this off to the hospital or not just actually in New York, even nationalize, you know, take private hospitals and make them public. That's a thing that happened, right? Um, in the middle of the pandemic. Like, but even just worker to worker, there was all these little moments where people recognized what made sense was to get people what they need, regardless of what the boss says, regardless of whether it's gonna make any money, all that kind of stuff. And I, I hope people remember that. I hope people remember that experience. But we did a terrible job of propagating that experience or conveying that lesson. I, I yeah. No, we did. I mean, just look at it. I mean, one of the things I want everybody to just think about, right, in, in February, March, April of 2020, there was a public debate about a national health care system. Universal health care. Y'all remember that? Vaguely. Right? Like there was an actual debate that was going on. There was an actual item of discussion uh, within the Democratic Party uh, primary. Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Bernie bro, never was in any form or fashion, but it's, it's the, the minute that they, uh, you know, squashed this campaign, you know, in March, right, in, in April, uh, you know, with, with the Super Tuesday, that was basically it. Now, I bring that up because how do you go for, that was the start of the pandemic, how do you go from a conversation about creating a national health care something, be in the middle of a, of a life-threatening pandemic, which only highlights the need, in my view, for there to be a national uh, uh, response, and then a year later, be dominated, the political scene 
organization, how did the, the, the where were the points of intervention that we could have made to totally shift that? And then why did the why did the Democrats totally surrender any conversation of that nature, you know, for just anybody but Trump uh, kind of conversation and make all these false promises about what they were going to do to tame the tent the pandemic, but then turn around after they were told, and we, me and you worked on a piece, right? I think it was right before my back went out in, in October, totally went out, that was saying that Biden was nothing but uh, the same thing Trump was doing. Yep. On to be proven absolutely right. Yep. Yep. So just for the record, we were right. Um, <laughs> a lot of good that, a lot of good that does us, I guess. Um, does it feel good to be right? Is what my, my best friend always asks me now. No. No. It does not feel good to be right. Well, before we turn it over to our audience to put you on the spot, um, probably worse than I just did. Uh, you got any last words? Any, any last words of wisdom you want to share with us? Look, get ready. This, 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 these crashes are coming to, you, to all of our neighborhoods, yeah. all of our hoods. You know, the 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 empire's infrastructure is literally collapsing before our eyes. This is only going to be worse. They have no plan. They have no perspective on doing it. Mansion and cinema are not the only problems or the key problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. majority. Uh, what they would push and what they would enable uh, is going to be less than satisfactory. Let's not put all our eggs in that basket. Uh, you know, if, if revolutionaries, our task is to organize the working class and oppressed people, concentrate on that. We're going to have more opportunities in the midst of this crisis, as it emerges and as it deepens. We got to, you know, build the will and skill uh, to be able to organize people uh, uh, on the spot in the middle of this crisis. Yeah. So we need to turn it into uh, opportunities. I hope that's what we're going to be able to do, you know, with this pivotal switch in the next couple of weeks. You know, at least to make some kind of local gains. Uh, but I would hope that folks really study, you know, what the hell is going on uh, uh, and what the responses are in Jackson, so you learn the critical lessons. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back this when it comes your way. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast and to the Haymarket Books YouTube channel, where events like this one are hosted live. And don't forget to check out haymarketbooks.org.